What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. He did things to an audience no performer had ever done before. He electrified millions on television, on the Hollywood screen, but most of all, in person. His name was Elvis. He was a legend, an idol, a king. And now, the king lives on in the first motion picture to reveal the whole story of the man whose music moved the world. Elvis. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, this is Stephanie Powers. You're listening to TV Confidential. Oh, let there are some who'd make me out to be the villain of this here story. Let's don't let a good thing die. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that will welcome Naomi Matsuda in our second hour. Naomi Matsuda, the actress who earned her very first Emmy nomination earlier this month for her performance as Lee Finnegan on The Bold and the Beautiful. Naomi will tell us how she came to join the cast of The Bold and the Beautiful, as well as how she strives to elicit an emotional response from the audience, no matter which character she plays. She'll also talk about the lotus-flowered gown and ensemble that she will wear on the red carpet at this year's Daytime Emmy Awards. Naomi's gown was not only designed by her best friend of more than 30 years fashion designer Ginger Che, but the gown also symbolizes in many ways the bond that Naomi and Ginger have shared throughout their life together as friends over the past 30 years. Naomi Matsuda will join us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Our second hour will also include a conversation with DeJour Jones. DeJour Jones, one of the stars of the new Paramount Plus series, Players. We'll talk to DeJour Jones as well in our second hour. In the meantime, we will open up our first hour by welcoming back our friend, singer, guitarist, musician, music historian, TV historian, raconteur, Mr. Entertainment, Chuck Herter. Chuck Herter, author of such books as Mr. Novak and acclaimed television series, other great books on TV history. You can see Chuck's music videos. Chuck has posted a lot of short music performance videos. You can find those on the Bad Restriction channel on YouTube. You can also find them on Chuck's Facebook page. Today is June 16th as we record this conversation. It's a week before the release of the highly anticipated Elvis biopic starring Austin Butler and Tom 
Hanks. And uh, with that in mind, uh, Chuck and I were knocking a few ideas around and thought it might be appropriate and fun to talk about some of the various dramatic portrayals of Elvis Presley over the past 40, 50 years. I, I hadn't realized there were that many. You said, Chuck? Yeah, hi, Ed. Nice to be back here in I was South gonna, Pasadena. I, I was going to introduce you. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, man. You just, you just take your time there, son. <laughs> Always good to have you on. We're talking. I, I hadn't realized this. You said there was something like 18 or 20 different portrayals of Elvis over the past 50 years on movies and television. Yeah, there is. There's, there's a whole bunch of them, and they range from jaw-dropping stunning to jaw-dropping horrible. <laughs> and uh, just to mention a few of the really good ones, uh, Kurt Russell played Elvis in the 1979 TV movie, which is really, really good. Um, Michael St. Gerard played Elvis in the miniseries of 1989, which unfortunately was canceled early and deserves to be seen again. It was about eight episodes, really excellent and very good. One of my personal favorites, a guy named Rick Peters, played Elvis in a movie called Elvis Meets Nixon, which came out in 1997. It was sort of a fantasy comedy of what happened when Elvis went to see Nixon to get his Drug Enforcement Agency badge. There was another one um, which uh, called Elvis and Nixon from the previous years with a guy named Michael Shannon. Good movie, but he didn't really look like him. And there are other various ones from Val Kilmer and True Romance to uh, Jack White, the musician, and Walk Hard, the comedy film, and probably... And no reflection on Mr. Miami Vice, but one of the worst ones was Don Johnson in Elvis and the Beauty Queen. That one can probably stay buried. <laughs> Many of these are available one way or another. I want to ask you, um, and, and by the way, Chuck brings not only his walking encyclopedic it's not just encyclopedic knowledge of music because Chuck has been a working musician for most of his life, and he worked at such places as the, as the legendary Troubadour here in Los Angeles. And um, being a musician, Chuck gets to know a lot of musicians in uh, one, one way or another. And one person who you crossed paths with was a member of the Memphis Mafia. Yes, that's very true. Actually, a few. 1992, I was hired by Paramount and the show uh, Hard Copy. I'm sure fans of Scandal TV will remember that one. And they did a three-part show on Elvis entitled I, Elvis. And I was hired to be the, the uh, consultant. So suddenly I'm making two grand a week, have my own office at Paramount. Uh, eaten regular, you know, it was rather a nice change. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm flying to Memphis in Nashville with the director to kind of oversee the interviews. So among the people we talked to was Charlie Hodge, Sonny West, Lamar Fike, uh, Marty Lacker, Billy Smith, and a few others. So that was a real thrill for me to meet them all, and because I was along and knew my stuff, they tended to open up a bit more. And the I. Elvis show, even though it was on hard copy, 
generally was favorably appreciated. So that made me feel good. I, uh, I helped to create a good show. Well, you not only helped to create a good show, as I say, you got to know, you know, several members of the Memphis Mafia. And so that is inside day in, day out, or as close to day in, day out Elvis knowledge as as anybody certainly as close to as anybody i know that's for sure well no it was and a little later in the show i will share a story or two that charlie hodge told me charlie at the time was a very heavy drinker god rest his soul and i hoisted a few in my day at that time and we ended up at his motel room till five in the morning drinking heavily and he was telling me stories. So a little bit later, I'll share a few real inside things that are quite marvelous. And Chuck brought his guitar today. So if all goes well, maybe Chuck will perform an Elvis tune. Or two. Or I two. actually have two planned, one for the first part of this, an early song. And then I'll tell a very interesting story of what happened to me upon hearing the news of his death on August 16, 1977, and the second song will go along with that. Hard to believe that was, what, 45 years ago? A long time. 45 years ago this August. I didn't think of that until I sat down and did the math the other day. So, But you know what? Elvis died, but he never did die. That's true. His legacy goes on. And I know you have a lot of listeners that aren't in Hollywood, but Elvis, the iconographical image, is still huge. You could go to teenage Gen Z's and show them a picture and they would know who it was. And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard and go in the various tourist traps, there's a lot of posters for sale and and the big ones usually have Elvis, Humphrey Bogart, James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. Others have uh, Al Pacino as Scarface. So Elvis, the image is still worldwide. And so, in a way, yes, the man died, but his legacy is still going. There's still movies being made. And, in fact, there's a apparently great movie that's going to be released next week. I saw the trailer. It looks really good. And if I may share this, um, Jerry Schilling was one of the Memphis Mafia. And after Elvis died, he ended up managing the Beach Boys, which he currently does. Well, I have a friend, Alan Boyd, that works on a lot of the Beach Boys uh, archives, and he told me a few days ago that Jerry was at the Cannes Film Festival for the premiere of the new Elvis movie. And Elvis told Alan that when it was done, there was a 12-minute standing ovation. Wow. This is for a film, not a live performance. And that people were screaming and just absolutely blown away so i strongly encourage anybody that hears this now that theaters are open again is to go see austin butler and tom hanks in elvis elvis opens wide as they say friday june 24th which also happens to be the day of this show will be broadcast for the first time uh, Elvis starring Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, Maggie Gyllenhaal, 12-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. And we're talking about this before we started recording, Chuck. That is meaningful 
because that's a response from the people, from the audience. And at the end of the day, critics will always have their say one way or another. But what means, what, what matters most uh, for the filmmakers, for the investors, is the box office reception and the reception of the people. So the fact that the audience connected to it right away, that's something. Yeah, it is. And it, it's funny, in Elvis's career... When he hit the scene in 1956, there was a lot of criticism of his movements or rock and roll was causing juvenile delinquency or all that kind of thing. And then Elvis made a lot of bad movies. So, unfortunately, Elvis's talent in artistry kind of took a back seat to the image and the popularity and the overall picture. And it's unfortunate that through the years... Uh, although he has remained a very famous figure, his incredible talent as a singer and performer has become secondary. But I think this movie should really bring that back. Because every time now, when there's a film like Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man, the recordings of the original artist are re-released and a lot of young people that perhaps had not heard them or older folks who hadn't heard them in a while, oh, okay, and his art will come out again. So that's a very nice thing, I'm sure, that will happen with the new movie. Chuck Carter is with us as we take a look at the various portrayals of Elvis Presley on the big screen and on television. The new Elvis motion picture starring uh, Austin Butler and Tom Hanks opens wide on Friday June 24th, we're probably going to jump around in the course of our conversation, although I know you want to focus initially on the first 10 years of uh, Elvis's career. But when Elvis hit the scene in the early 1950s, he pretty much remained an iconic figure for the next 25 years up until his death of 1977. But uh, as a musician and as a music scholar, you broke down... Elvis's career into three three-year periods. Yeah, that's true. It's funny. Elvis, uh, three times in his career, seemed really focused and challenged and created great things. Unfortunately, after each three-year period, it sort of got in a rut, and it became easy. And when it became easy for Elvis, it's not that he didn't do anything good, but he was able to get by on his popularity. So the first period is 1955, 6, and 7, the rise at Sun Records with the Rockabilly Records, the TV performances of 56 and 7, the first movies, Love Me Tender, Loving You, Jailhouse Rock. Really amazing. And it sort of bled a little into 58 with his great performance in King Creole and some good records. The next three-year period was 60, 61, and 62, Good albums, good singles. Uh, he's changed a bit. He's almost a ballad singer now, but good. And after G.I. Blues, there was an attempt to have him do more serious roles in Flaming Star and Wild in the Country, but unfortunately, they didn't make as much money as the musicals, and there weren't even soundtrack albums. And after that, they did Blue Hawaii, which made skillions of money and huge soundtrack. And Colonel Parker said, we don't make as much money on the serious movie, son. We've got to make the musicals. Because Colonel Parker's whole 
rationale for success was money earned. It wasn't artistic good or creativity or anything like that. The next three-year period is 69, 70, and 71, right after the comeback special of late 68. Good singles, good albums. He's touring um, the movie That's the Way It Is. The documentary of him in Vegas came out. He's focused. He's into it. And everything's going quite well. 72, still, you know, Burning Love single, Elvis on Tour documentary. And then things sort of settled into a rut again. Elvis needed a challenge. And when he had a challenge, he could rise to the occasion, much as he did on the uh, worldwide broadcast of 1973. So another myth is that Elvis didn't really do much good recording after the 50s, and that's wrong. You have to know where to look in the 60s and 70s, but if you do, you can find stuff as good as anything he did in the 50s, almost until the end. So I encourage anybody to download and listen to Elvis, explore a bit, and you'll be surprised. You'll hear some really good recordings that you may not be aware of. And you're going to hear some really good knowledge and some great stories from our friend Chuck Carter. Chuck Carter, music historian, musician, singer, guitarist, Mr. Entertainment. Chuck got to know several members of the Memphis Mafia over the course of his working career. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Among other things, uh, Chuck became particularly good friends with Charlie Hodge. Charlie Hodge, uh, the guitarist who, as as Chuck uh, told me off mic, for fans of Elvis who saw Elvis in person, Charlie Hodge was the was the guitarist who inevitably handed Elvis one of his many scarves in the course of his live performance and and Chuck got to know Charlie Hodge while uh, producing a three-part mini documentary on Elvis for uh, the hard copy show. You can follow Chuck on Facebook. Uh, His Twitter handle is NovakBook. If you're listening to us in Los Angeles or plan on being in L.A. in late July, Chuck will be performing an evening of music at the Sideshow Bookstore 1639 La Cienica Boulevard in Los Angeles on Saturday, July 23rd. Showtime is 8 p.m. Sideshowbookstore.com for more information. Uh, Chuck has several short music performance videos, which you can enjoy for free on the Bad Restriction channel on YouTube. Like I said, we're going to jump around. Off the top of my head, uh, you, you mentioned the, the Michael St. Gerard series that aired in the spring of... 1990. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You described it as a miniseries. It turned out to be a miniseries because it only aired eight eight episodes. But as I recall, that was intended as a weekly series. Yes, it was. And I remember watching it and loving it, not just because I was really knowledgeable of the history, but I tried to look at it through the eyes of somebody who wasn't. And it was really good. And it was honest and told the story in a true fashion of Elvis and his parents in Memphis, 
starting to get into music, recording at Sun Records, hooking up with uh, Bill Black and Scotty Moore and starting to play. It was really, really good. And then, unfortunately, it was canceled. Ed, uh, I believe it was against some pretty stiff competition. Uh, it aired on Sunday nights in uh, February and March of 1990, Sunday nights opposite Murder, She Wrote, which was the number one show on television. You cannot kill that show with the stick. You cannot kill that show with the creeping terror. You cannot kill that show with anything. It also aired opposite America's Most Wanted on Fox, if I remember correctly. So between America's Most Wanted and Murder, She Wrote, Elvis, the series, had none chance. Yeah, and in 1989 when it aired, I mean, I'm sure people had Betamaxes and some could record it, but uh, it was tough. And it's a shame. And I would suggest to any Elvis fans that have not seen it, I'm sure you can stream it someplace and uh, catch all eight episodes. All the actors are good, the period costumes hairstyles it's really a class production i believe you mentioned michael st john uh was either nominated for a golden globe or won a golden globe michael st gerard michael st gerard michael, <laughs> that's all right michael st gerard i believe won a golden globe for his performance and it's always funny when that happens when a show is canceled and then the awards come around and the show wins an award or an actor does and oops wait a minute maybe we made a mistake but it's usually too late and uh, Billy Greenbush, who was a character actor from the 1970s, he's also the daughter of Lindsay and Sidney Greenbush, who, uh, who played the youngest Ingalls daughter on Little House on the Prairie. Billy Greenbush played Vernon, and that was not the first time Billy Greenbush played Vernon, Elvis's dad. Oh, yeah, that, that's true, and he was quite good. And whoever played Gladys's mother was good, too. They all looked good, too. And that's what's kind of odd about all these Elvis actors that have played him in films everybody knows what Elvis looks like so if you cast an actor as Elvis and he really doesn't look like him it's tough you know because we all know what he looks like I I saw a Rat Pack movie once and uh, it had the five of them and I said well I know who's playing Sammy Davis Jr. but Oh, oh, he's Sinatra. Oh, okay. And they had somebody as JFK, and it took me a minute to, oh, JFK. So it's nice when they can look like them. Kurt Russell played him in a three-hour TV movie. Now, in a way, he kind of had that perception going into his performance and that it was Kurt Russell coming into his own as a grown-up performer. Maybe profile, he kind of has maybe a slight resemblance to Elvis, but because Kurt Russell was also a known actor, it's hard not to think of Kurt Russell versus Elvis Presley. But as I recall, he completely immersed himself into the character, and he was really, really good. Yes, he was. The wigs looked very convincing, and they photographed him from the right angles, and at times, it was Elvis. And there's a funny anecdote about that. Elvis made a movie in 1962 called It Happened at the World's Fair. And there's a scene in the movie where a blonde kid comes up and kicks him in the shin. Uh, Elvis has paid the kid to do this because he's uh, got some feelings for a nurse. Oh, I'm injured. Can you help me? And the kid playing the kid was Kurt Russell. <laughs> 
that I, I think we call that a full circle moment. Chuck Carter is with us uh, talking about some of the various portrayals of Elvis in movies and on television over the past uh, 40, 50 years. We'll talk some more with Chuck after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.